0: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: It's March 3rd, 1902. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Picture me in the locker room now for some i realize this is quite erotic beside me i have my towels and trinkets across my skin full beads of sweat and soap and on the floor next to me my handy kit bag purchased sometime in the 1980s and still looking exactly like the one they sell in the health club foyer and emblazoned upon its side the logo of russell athletic the company founded on this day in 1902 by benjamin russell known as Mr. Bain to his friends in Alabama.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you clarified it was Alabama. I think that could have provoked some confusion. <laughs> That's
2: clearly my southern accent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was founded in the town of Alexander City, which you would probably be forgiven for not having heard of. It was a very small place. And it started life as the Russell Manufacturing Company. Uh, and they specialised in women's undershirts.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had had some achievements under his belt even before the age of 26 when he did this. At 24, he founded a bank Yeah, well, the story's
2: a bit like It's a Wonderful Life, Rebecca, because in his early 20s, his father suffered a paralyzing stroke. So he came back from being a lawyer in Birmingham, Alabama, to Alexander City to manage the family business. And then founded a bank, which is sort of like what happens to Jimmy Stewart, isn't it?
1: Yeah, if Jimmy Stewart's character had also become Mr. Potter, the villain of the film who controls everything (laughs) in Bedford
0: (laughs) Force. Well, that's true, because he then had like a dam and then bought up masses of the shoreline of this new lake that was created by the dam, and then he went on to build schools and churches and hotels and hospitals. Like, by the end of his life, he owned this
2: place. (laughs) Yes, and virtually no sooner had he started the Russell Manufacturing Company... There was a massive fire across Alexander City that burnt down his bank, burnt down all three banks in the town centre, in fact, and the post office and his factory. Um, And there Mm. were no waterworks in Alexander City, so all the residents could do whilst the town was alight was stand around and watch it. And from those embers, he rebuilt everything again. He's quite Mm. an impressive figure. But they weren't really known for sportswear until Benjamin's son came along about 30 years later.
1: So accounts differ on this because some people say this happened in 1920. Some people say it happened in 1926. And you know me, I love to look at a census. Any excuse. I went into (laughs) looking at the census because the important part of this story is that Benjamin Russell Jr. was at college. He was at the University Mm. of Alabama. He was too young to be at college in 1920 and he was kind of too old in 1926. And I suspect this actually happened bang in the middle around 1922, 1923. He was living the college life And that involved being a quarterback, a star quarterback on the football team. And they wore, as you can imagine of the time, wool jerseys, kind of a holdover of, you know, when you look at pictures of Edwardian women wearing, you know, wool bathing costumes, they were wearing these itchy, heavy sweaters. And so he went back home and said... Dad, can you make me something a bit more comfortable?
2: Abandon your plans to build the telephone system for Alabama.
0: (laughs) I've got the thing that's going to save our knitwear business. I'm just impressed that you got so into the weeds of solving this 1920 or 1926 thing that really doesn't matter. She built up the whole straw man and knocked it down, though, yeah. like no
2: one was asking. True. No, like nobody was
1: asking. I always say, just while we're on the subject, you know, apparently I looked up the etymology of the word to see if that would help me, like when it was first coined. Mm. And Merriam-Webster said 1925, but I found it on Google Books in 1922, further cementing my theory.
2: Nice. <laughs> w- which word was that? Sweatshirt?
1: Sweatshirt, yeah, or as, yeah, as in all one word.
2: Well, if Russell Athletic's lawyers are listening, I want to be very clear that we're in no doubt that Russell Athletic were the inventors of the sweatshirt because... because they have indeed trademarked the phrase, inventors of the sweatshirt. That is a trademark (laughs) that is owned by Russell Athletic. (laughs) What was different about this sweatshirt was that it had the V-notch in the collar, Mm. which was designed to collect sweat and soft fleece lining inside. It's not, a, it's not a V-neck like an actual V-neck. It's a little V just under where your neck is yeah. that is that iconic Russell Athletic sweatshirt, which they do still make.
1: In addition to the V-notch, one of the things that made the sweatshirt, I'm not going to say unique because Russell Athletic haven't coined the phrase inventor of the crew neck, but was the fact that it was a crew neck sweatshirt. Mm. Uh, so it was collarless. And obviously this is an era where the vast majority of men's clothes, even leisure wear, would have been collared. The interesting thing is that the crew neck T-shirt was also invented to benefit American football players designed to be worn underneath your shoulder pads to stop them from chafing.
2: Hmm. And the hoodie uh, was not Russell Athletic. That honour, if you discount centuries of garb for monks, was the company (laughs) Champion, uh, Hmm. which was founded in 1919. I can't believe Champion's been going that long as well. Um, And they added hoods to sweatshirts to keep workers
0: warm during Bitter winters in upstate New York. I mean, I suppose for Russell Athletic, this was just the beginning and they kind of then styled themselves as this major athletic brand. And in 1932, they acquired the Southern Manufacturing Company, which gave them the opportunity to make athletic team apparel. And by like 1995, they were the official supplier for team uniforms for 25 of the then 28 major league baseball teams and they outfitted more nfl teams than any other company and more importantly the replica
2: kits you know as we were talking about in our barry bremen episode like the real money is making them for all the punters isn't t-
0: it? totally and i suppose if you're making stuff that people want to wear and it is athletic gear and that came to take over the world and I don't know what you mean all of us are wearing evening dress right now <laughs> well i'm in my <laughs> tailcoat.
1: i don't think we'd be talking about sweatshirts today if they were still only being worn primarily as athletic wear and they almost immediately caught on as leisure wear and that's that was due to a wider obsession with college life that was gathering steam in the 1920s prior to this era you know it was a tiny tiny minority of americans that would be going to college and they would be mostly from the same kinds of families and the 1920s is still a very small minority of people would go but it had become something that the average middle-class family might aspire to you know send a son or increasingly a daughter to college and college antics were playing this huge role in mainstream media as well harold lloyd for instance famous silent movie star here he had 1925 comedy called The Freshman, which is about a college student who tries to become popular by joining the football team, which I feel like is a plot that has been done several times since 1925. <laughs> you know, these fast-living youths shocked and scandalised their elders with partying, flirtation and casual dress, which included flaunting sportswear off the field, both to show off your own achievements or you might lend an item to a girlfriend. Uh, and so this is how sportswear really came to be seen everywhere. And do you know what? I actually looked into it. And the term sportswear... First entered common parlance in the 20s, but it was used to describe not actually sporting gear, but the clothes one might wear to watch sport.
2: What clothes do you wear to watch sport? You need like a special larger pocket for your copy of the racing Post. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, people had never had to have leisure clothes necessarily before, because before you had all these achievements of the unions in the late 19th century, early 20th century, Not look, the average working person didn't have that much leisure time. And if they did, it might be a Sunday. You might, you know, go to church or go to the park or something, but you weren't going to events. But now mm. there were shorter working weeks. And the economy was doing really well, at least in the USA. So people actually had disposable income and were going to see sporting matches. And so you needed to have like this new genre, of clothing that wasn't your sunday best but also wasn't you know the kind of crap you wore every day to the factory
2: well i suppose that comes back to benjamin russell jr's point about playing football in uncomfortable woolen fabrics some of those would have been specially designed sporting outfits but i bet a lot of them would have been just everyone's day-to-day wear wouldn't they like people just playing sport normally outside of college would have just worn what they were wearing and then actually from that point of view it's not a surprise it went the other way back is it like if sportswear needed to be designed because people were wearing their ordinary wear to play sport it's not so outrageous that they might wear their sportswear in the rest of their lives.
0: Yeah, which accounts for the fact that now we've got sportswear or as it's often called now athleisure clothing, you know we're, we're surrounded by like Lululemon yoga pants and Yeezy sneakers and Nike sports bras and you know it's just everywhere and I suppose it is because of that thing that you're talking about that you have the opportunity to wear this stuff and in multiple circumstances you can wear your sneakers to the office and like we don't have such hard and fast categories of where you can uh, wear different things but but it's estimated that the athleisure or sportswear industry is now worth 300 billion dollars and the biggest clothing brands in the world are not your Hermes and Louis Vuitton and Cartier and so on they are like Nike is number one and then Adidas yeah. is number three
1: and it's interesting really that in the 1920s wearing sportswear out in the non-sporting world would have been seen as something that marked you out as a man of, you know, dash and vigour who led an active lifestyle and didn't mind flaunting it. Whereas in the 1950s, when you saw the college fashions roaring back in, that kind of preppy Ivy League look that was everywhere in the 50s and 60s, by that point, both college athletics and the notion of attending spectator sports and following spectator sports had so transformed society that it was seen as thoroughly all-American. That was the ultimate American clean-cut look in comparison with subcultures like greasers and beatniks and zoot suiters and stuff. And again, in the 80s, it came back again. And by this time, it was seen as ultimate Americana rather than being anything that was even remotely taboo.
2: It was only in 1962 that Russell Athletic added the American Eagle to its logo, which seems late to me because it's such a cliche now. I just assumed that it must have been kind of pre-war, that decision. But it wasn't. I think it was a slow realization that they were an all American brand, that they were representing Americana around the world and that in places like Japan and France, that's why people bought it. Um but despite it selling itself as an all American brand in two thousand it cut five thousand American jobs and moved all its production to Mexico and Honduras. So take away the eagle, you
0: guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow He was so assailed by well-wishers that he had to climb out of a window and then just retreated to his hotel. Love the show? Support the show! Patreon.com slash
2: Retrospectors Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms?